Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. This is nice. They did a some sort of update on Riverside where now as soon as I hit record on the stream, it automatically starts the stream on YouTube before I was having to do both. Yeah. And like hit one, wait for it to load on YouTube and then start. And now I don't have to do that anymore. Well, that's so awesome. Technology. Much easier on me. Thank you, right? AI. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, AI. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a shorter one today. Kind of um just for you know scheduling purposes but i didn't want to not do one at all uh so we were thinking we'd do kind of i can't really say rapid fire because it's not going to be a ton of things we're going to go over but a little bit shorter more condensed stuff that lends itself better to shorter uh conversation and just tidbits and tips kind of episode rather than some long you know we've done a couple pushing two hours recently which are which are super fun um but this one i think will be be fun in a different kind of way yeah so um i'm in the outside studio today got cigar going this morning after i had jujitsu this morning and trained and uh had a good breakfast and i'm like sitting out here outside with my cigar i'm like all right let's let's freaking do this this morning <laughs> uh does that like is that a point of relaxation for you like your cigar yeah yeah that's cool uh I know some people, um, I mean, I, I talk to guys that are real cigar people and that is the answer that I look for when they're, when they're genuine, like they really just are into cigars. They like yeah. the smell of them, the taste of them. They like to learn about them and it is a relaxation. And then you've got the douchebags. I'll tell mm -hmm. you a funny story. <clears throat> I was with Scott Volkortson in Vegas. This is real brief, but I was in Vegas with him and there was a, there was a guy in the bar that we were at and we were, we were all, you know, having a pretty good time. We'd had a few beers and, uh, you know, I, I have a, I have a confrontate confrontational playfulness about myself anyway. Like it's almost a juxtaposition <laughs> because when I was big, I would almost do that. I'd, I'd call everybody big guy. I'd like kind of joke about them. So like it <laughs> yeah. eased the tension that I'm not some asshole kind of thing. Learned that when I was bouncing. So 
anyway, this guy's standing over here and he's got like a foot and a, like, it's, it's like a 14 inch cigar. You know, it's one of these high dollar deals. Huge. He's an executive <laughs> yeah. for one of Scott's uh, brands, like one of the companies he uses. And I'm like, look at this fucking dickhead over here. Look at this small <laughs> cock motherfucker over here. I got a 14 inch cigar, you know, like talking shit. Yeah. And Scott yeah. just comes over to me. He's like, man, man, can you just, uh, <laughs> he's important. <laughs> and that's where he left it. He's, he's, he's up on him. <laughs> he's important. And, uh, but I was like, I was ready to go full send on him. You know, I was waiting for him to say some shit back, but, uh, right. you know, it was, to start something oil here. Oh dude. It's, but it's funny how, like how, I love getting that reaction from people because you can always back down. If you're just joking with somebody, you can always back down. Oh, yeah. But oh yeah, the guys that get really mad, he was one of them. Like, that's my job to read people yeah. and understand people. Yeah. He would have, if he'd, if he'd actually like, line is. caught on to what I was saying, like, I, he was four feet from me. He was just so engrossed yeah. in him telling stories about himself that he couldn't hear what I was saying. But I was talking shit that to his hilarious. face four feet away. And Scott got a little nervous, but it was funny. That's hilarious. But yeah, that's cool. Uh, I don't, I don't do cigars, man. Um, I, I, I never like, like, I like blunts, but I don't like cigars. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't something. Um, I mean, I think the, the first handful, like when I got into it was in, was in college. Yeah. And it was actually when I was, a, when I was a senior, I lived by myself, uh, my entire senior year of college, which was like, nobody does that. You know what I mean? Everybody yeah. has multiple roommates or like, you know, lives in a giant house with teammates and stuff. And uh, just for whatever, you know, there's a bunch of situations and stuff. And I was just like, you know what? I really don't want to live in a house with six guys because sure. that was my pretty much only option. And I found this like little like duplexy thing that had a third unit that they had basically created yeah. in the back. And it was dope. I mean, it was just like a studio thing and it was awesome. And the guy that I rented from was great, but that was when I first like started kind of getting into them. And I'm not like some huge aficionado. Like, yeah. You know, like I enjoy them and I, you know, I, I'm to the point where I could probably tell you the difference in taste from like a really nice one mm -hmm. from a really crappy one. Yeah. But everything in the middle, I'm like that. I, I just enjoy them. Like if you know how to, if you know how to like light them so you're not burning them yeah you know because i mean like there's some technique to it where like if you're just going to completely fry the end of it it's going to taste terrible yeah and it's going to burn unevenly and stuff so like as long as you know how to do that most of them are good yeah and well that's uh, one of the funniest actually posted about it the other day but tell you um i don't even remember how i found you know, it i think it was when i was in friend, I found it was a little bit after college this I think. website i, like, I met a guy um, and affiliation um, with them at all otherwise i wouldn't nope nope on my back no, yeah, it, it kind of cut out for a second. Sorry, I thought I was talking. Yeah, no big deal. Sorry. Oh, no worries. It had, uh, I found this page at the recommendation of a friend and I have like no affiliation with them, even though like I would be 100% on board for a cigar sponsor on this podcast. <laughs> but um, it's called Cigar, it's literally just cigarpage.com. And I have no idea how they stay operational because they do like these bundles yeah and they give them that like they sell them essentially at like wholesale prices of like legit nice ones and so i had like they have like these different sample packs and stuff and i bought this one a week or so ago um and it was a 10 cigar pack and it had a bunch of olivia's and uh a couple of other ones and this one i'm doing right now is called free will and it's got a cool like flag and skull thing yeah. on and uh and it was 10 cigars shipped for 20 bucks. Yeah. You can't be. And that. so 
um yeah i'm like okay well i'm just gonna do that for the rest of my life so it's my bet, like, it's pretty, my bet is it's a mafia awesome. deal it's uh somebody cuba down in that area dominican whatever they're shipping yeah. they're they're stealing from a legit company branding them sending them to the mafia <laughs> and you're buying well you're buying be. mob cigars that's way that, cooler to me like i would smoke those cigars that's a better story on that story alone yeah just to be like yeah, <laughs> yeah. i get these from the mob yeah, hundred percent. Little Joey, I'm a little, con- little Joey. Connect. I'm a little connected. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's watch it. All right. Now, what I was saying um, uh, when it cut away there, I met a guy in college, and like you know, Black Rifle was pretty notorious for bringing back the uh, pour over and like really popularizing that, and yeah. talking about how that's a different thing than a Keurig or whatever. And like you're talking about, there's this very specific way to light a cigar. There's a reason that the lighters are different. There's a reason that you do things different with a cigar. Yeah. This dude, I smoked weed with a guy and uh, this was just like, right, he was a power lifter. It was right after college. No shit. This dude pulls out like a briefcase and he's got like the setup. And to this day, to this day, he actually made an Instagram story about, about this story. But uh, long, I won't tell that story because it's, it's too funny. Yeah. And it's too long, but it was like, it was precision marijuana high. Like it was, to the level, you wow. know what I mean? And, uh, it was like, I didn't have to smoke hardly anything. Uh, it wasn't a dab. It wasn't an oil. It was just straight leaf. But the way that he did everything, he heated it up to a certain temperature. He had a little yeah. buffer thing, but anyway, it's just funny how like yeah. we get so like glossed over on what something good is, you know, like, yeah, my, yeah. my papa loved McDonald's coffee. I mean, it's freaking brown water yeah. every once in a while. Like, how do you get a pre-filled package and a pre-measured thing for water? And you can go in there and actually get like, okay, this is a decent cup of coffee from a gas station, like comparable Yeah. to this is black water, like just straight black water. Yep. You know? Yep. I don't know. But anyway, enough of that shit. Here, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stop this real quick. I'm getting a mic buzz and I'm just going to kick it right back on. Okay. All right. Got it fixed. Technical um, difficulties, probably so you, my fault. Technical difficulties. Oh, well, it's probably the fact that I'm in an outside a- area and there's all kinds of different stuff going on. The here. common denominator but, um, in most of my failures is me. So, <laughs> just um, most. Yeah, I'm just saying most. There's been once or twice <laughs> where somebody else was at blame. <laughs> um, so we had a couple of topics we wanted to touch on. Um, so we'll just kind of. I mean, I don't have any particular order that we. I. I felt we needed to go in. So the first one that I had thought of, um, was related to books. Yep. Uh, if there's any that you had read recently or are currently reading, you know, kind of what realm that's in the reason I, that's on the top of my head recently, I just had, um, Jack back on the show on Monday to record for the episode dropping in a couple of weeks. Um, and third time he's been on, he's dude, he's the best. He's like just the coolest guy. Such an interesting dude. He is. And he, and I only, it's, I'll take whatever time I can get with him, but because he's so busy, I have, I've been booked with him for like two months and I still am only able to get, you know, half an hour with him. Yeah. And in that time though, just with how fast his mind works and how fast he talks, like we can cover what I would cover in an hour with most people in 30 minutes sure. anyways, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's amazing. But he's, he's, he's awesome to talk to. And so he, I, he sent me the new book, um, a couple weeks back to, to read and prep and prep for the Yeah, I'm not on that mailing list. So me and Jack aren't tight on, like that. 
<laughs> so I'm I'm working through it right now, and it's a freaking mammoth, man. Yeah. It's like 560 something pages, and it's huge. But I mean, those are always like kind of my yearly. I look forward to those. Um, have you read the kinda, Have you read the Vince Flynn uh, Mitch Raps? I've read a couple, dude. Uh, a couple of them. I would burn through those. I went to the beach one time, and I'm not a beach guy. Like I'll get in the water for an hour, and I'm out. Like I don't I don't yeah. give a fuck. Um, yeah. So. I was I was like sitting on the beach, literally reading because I found them like four or five books into the series. Okay. I read five books in five days. You know, these are three hundred eighty to four hundred fifty page books, and <laughs> yeah, just you know, I, re- I read like a, a damn tortoise. But um, you know, they were so enthralling, like they were so exciting. Yeah. It was like Tom Clancy pared down, you know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. just as much juice. So yeah, if you like Jack him Carr, and- Vince Flynn is an awesome. He passed away, unfortunately, testicular cancer, but he had yeah. a he had a finishing team that did a couple more books, and I think they just hired yep. one of his guys to continue the series. So pretty awesome and, stuff. Uh, Vince Flynn's great. I also really like uh, Brad Thor. Yep, in, in kind of that thriller, mm-hmm. you know, that same genre of of stories. I really like. Um, I I really like fiction. Yeah, you know I. I almost would prefer that as like leisurely reading rather than going through people's like self-help books. Yeah. I'm not into the, I'm not, you know what I mean? I say I'm not into the self-help realm, but I am like if, you know, there's so much fat out there, if we can trim the fat, yeah, pull the bone and we got meat, I'm all in. Like, yeah, that's one of the books I was going to recommend is in that realm would be uh, Jordan Peterson's 12 rules. Now I know, I know he's a controversial figure for a number of reasons, but like the Bible is a controversial book. No matter who you are, there are lessons and values that you can take away from that. You know, exclude whatever you feel you need to exclude. But in Peterson's book, it really does. A, it does a service, I think, to what a person can do themselves to create yeah. an organism that is good for everything else around it. Um, do, yeah. do I think that the book is flawless? No. Do I think that the book is misinterpreted, misunderstood? Absolutely. But I yeah. think that if anybody with any reading comprehension <clears throat> whatsoever is looking for a place of like, man, I am out of control. I don't even know where to begin. That is a fantastic, not only starting point, reminder point and finishing point. Like, I, I, yeah. I think that the book is just really, really fantastic. I did not like his second book as much as the first. I never read that one. Yeah, I mean, and again, that one. listen, the first one he said he excruciatingly like went word and line by line for ten years, you know, and then it's yeah. like, oh, this is a hit. We need another one. So he didn't get to do the service yeah. to the second book. Um, I think he did say he wrote it for about eight years, but it felt a little more. It felt a little more defensive to me, like as in he had to prove a, th- a point rather than just stating a point, and it yeah. felt a bit more like. Um, it felt a little bit more curt in some of the explanations, like, because sure. I think if you divulge too much, if you say too much, that's where they find the, the attack point, you know? So yeah. that would be my number one for most people that I would, I would say are, are yeah. listeners, you know, 30 something, late 20 somethings, 40 somethings that are trying to figure it out. Like, dude, that's why it's one of my books. My, my life has been a series of train wrecks, my own doing, but this book is one of those things that gave me parameters that I can be like, no, there's nothing crazy about these. There's nothing exceptional about these. It's just yeah. a disciplined mindset around doing good things, progressive things, and you know, just trying to build a life that is mine, not what I'm told I want. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
and it's one of those ones too where a lot of the a lot of the self-help books that i've read that are by guys that are in the the you know improvement or development space you know we know several of them and like they're books that have i mean decent but kind of obvious things in them i would i would say decent but they're they're good advice but it's nothing that nobody's heard from a million other sources already right and i and they're ones that i'm not going to go back and read those books again sure like i i don't have any need to go back and read some of these again but like with with jordan's 12 like there's always something that could be you could go back and be like even read one of those sections, one of those rules, and it and it just applies differently to you. This coming back, you know, maybe two years later. I think that's a great point too, back. though, man. Like, yeah, how we look at ourselves, how the world impacts us, definitely mm-hmm. changes because, like, you know, I tried to do the four thirty thing, and I did it. I didn't necessarily say I improved. Uh, Five thirty, six o'clock is a better wake for me. That's still a discipline point, you know. But yep. um, it, it just some of these people that get on, on such a point of like, I've got to motivate you and I've got to change your life and I've got to do this. It just, it makes me wonder like how much fucking motivation do people need? And if you need so much motivation, like, you know, it's almost like a drug, you know, to the point where if you see it so much, it actually has no impact. And yeah, I think that's where I'm at with a lot of stuff on Instagram and whatnot. It's like, you know, we're watching a continuous commercial you know, it's, it's an advertisement for me and that's a weird thing. And I heard a guy, he was an older guy and he said something to the effect of, could you imagine your great, great grandfather, you know, coming out of a field in the 1920s and somehow he walks into your life and he sees what you do and he sees what you value, you know, and like, what the hell, you know? And, and it's like, this is what you're doing with the miracle that is the human experience. Like, Totally. You know, I don't know, but anyhow, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing and that's a good book. (laughs) Um, one of the other things I like to do reading wise, I'm a, and we've talked about this before. I'm a big, uh, history guy. Like I love reading historical nonfiction stuff, historical accounts of things. Mm -hmm. So one of the ones I'm reading, like I kind of bounce and forth. I never read like two books literally simultaneously because not very frequently unless it's like one I'm super engrossed in like a novel, like, you know, some of Jack Carr's works where I'll like just crank through it, you know? Right. But most of the time I'll go back and forth and be like, I'll read some from here, some from here. And, uh, one I've got, I've got right now is a little bit shorter book, but it's about uh, a guy named Eusebius who was around, uh, in like the, the, ver- the first, well, he was around, I want to say like third or fourth century. Uh-huh. Um, but wrote extensively about, the early church post oh, nice. crucifixion. So he's telling the story about uh, like the apostles lives after Jesus was uh, crucified and like how the early church essentially developed and became, you know, all the different variations of it was. So he's kind of like the historical, one of the prominent like historical figures from like the first couple centuries of Christianity. So like mm-hmm. the accounts and everything are like super rad to read. Um, but I always enjoy like historicals. I've read like all of the, the rise and fall of Teddy Roosevelt. Sure. Not the rise and fall, but the rise of Teddy Roosevelt. Right. Yeah. Um, a lot of those, I love those like historical biographies and stuff of just dudes that were way cooler than I am. Yeah. Thousands of years ago. You know, there's, um, I was listening to a guy and he ended up, 
this guy kind of highlights historical figures, you know, and just tells kind of like unknown history or like forgotten history kind of thing. Can you imagine the lives of some of the people that no one knows about? Like some of the things, um, <clears throat> I can't remember who it was. Bill, it wasn't Bill O'Reilly. Uh, it was Beck, Glenn Beck. He had a thing about like the middleman in history. And it was like, uh, it told stories of, you know, this, it wasn't Thomas Jefferson at Monticello. It was, uh, it was some guy riding his horse through the night. It, it tells that guy's story, you know, the middleman of, of forgotten history. And I like that stuff. You know, I like the, the spider web of, of stories like that. And, you know, it's just another layer to the level, uh, I mean, another layer to the level. That's the dumbest thing I've ever said. It's another layer to the story. <laughs> it's another layer to the story um, that yeah. for some reason just makes me feel good. Like I, I like investigating things like that. I like learning. Like even when I was a kid, dude, I watched Last of the Mohicans and went straight to Encyclopedia Britannica and so read good. as much as I could about them. And then, you know, started reading off like for more read. And you look up Iroquois yeah. and Sioux yeah. and Lakota, you know, it's like, it was a really, that's the way my brain works. Like you get very deep on whatever I'm interested in. And, uh, yeah. So there's a lot of stuff historically that I have a very deep interest in that. I don't know if I'm ready to fully dive into mm. yet. You know what I mean? Just because I know how garbage truck just squeaking away. Wild goodness. times out there in Idaho, bro. Keep it down. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are sections where sections of, of history where I'm like, I know myself and I will be consumed by research and wanting mm. to like continue. Cause that's just how I am. And you know, you're the same when we get into something like yeah. get into something, you know? Yep. And, um, there's some of those things where I'm like, you know, I, I don't know if I'm ready to understand what some of the true actual truths were about some of these time periods. Yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'll get there. Um, but there's some of those things that I'm like, I don't one day kind of things. What's one thing um, that, uh, from history that like you just, for some reason, you know enough about to know that you don't want to know any more about it. Oh man. I'm going to say like, I, I, I'll, I can do, you know, if we're talking like American history, I can chunk it up into like, there are things within American history that I am very, interested in knowing because I, I, I only remember what I was told. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, I think, and I, and I know this is for me, so this would be my answer for this just so I have an answer because I was not, I don't think any of us were really very told very well what happened in world war one. Dude, funny you say this. So like everybody's history ever seems to start <laughs> at world war two sure. and not talk about what happened in the you know 25 years 30 years prior to that that essentially led to mm -hmm. world war ii 30 years before it happened but the stories around what happened in that first one i think are vastly under taught from from the you know proper perspective well have you uh have you read very much about the battle of psalm not much that's a hundred thousand deaths in a day um yeah. you yeah. know and, and you're talking about you know, you do have some artillery, you have rifle, um, but there's a lot of bayonet. There's a lot of hand to hand. Yeah. Um, those, those fuckers were just like cut from cloths that, that no one, very few people 
in and America. 17 years old. Yeah, the that's the thing too. Like it's 17, like, 18, 19 years old. Yeah, and that's the one thing that they don't equate is it's like these are these are boys, you know, and they're they're, they're probably scared shitless, but they're bold, they're brave. I don't know, man. It It's a different yeah. thing. But when I was in England, um, my friends, Paul and Tanya, they uh, they owned a gym, Olympic gym, and I actually met them in Finland. And from, from meeting them at a powerlifting competition in Finland to traveling back to the UK and training at their gym and staying with them for a week, really, because um, I was already going to England, but I just ended up, they were, we were fast friends and it worked out. Um, but man, like some of the stuff that I don't even remember what I was talking about there. Uh, shit. I was talking so much about their gym. Um, with Psalm and yeah. So Paul, the young, sorry about the that. I, I just blanked cause we were talking about the gym, Yeah, but Paul is very much into British history and he took me to the British history museum and man, it's like, there is so much to see and understand and like, you saw the uniforms and you saw the mustard gas and you saw all this stuff. And you, you look at, I don't know that war is ever fair to call civilized, but man, we were out to not just kill. We were out to maim and we were out to or the world. I won't say we, but like the combatants were out to maim and harm, you know, the, those suffocating gases and things like that. Holy shit, man. Um, that's just a really dark era because we had the advancement but we were still so primitive in our use of those things. Like, um, yeah, you know, totally. like, I don't know. There's something very different about killing a man with a bayonet than with a two mile sniper shot, you know, both are exactly. fucking awesome. You know, like that's a, that's an amazing thing. Um, but it's, it's two different worlds, you know? So, well, and you juxtapose that you juxtapose that with like, you know, say what you will about rules of engagement, but in the last, I don't know, 30 years, yeah, what that has done to effectiveness to a degree, you know what I mean? Oh, listen, and, and that, so that stuff is so bad. The rules of engagement, because I know guys, I mean, you, you might not know them like I know them, but you know of, and have probably shook hands with some of these guys yeah. um, yep. that were in situations where clear target in scope, just waiting for approval can't get approval can we send this up the chain cannot get approval overridden like what are we doing here and then 10 guys die you know like watching this guy continue his activities 10 guys 10 of our guys get killed and then it's like can we can we do something now no wait that's what happened at that fucking airport you know over there like Mm -hmm. jesus man like these these politicians i i don't even want to go on that route (laughs) but uh We'll save that for another one. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> but yeah, back to, you know, the World War One, um, and there's so many other wars and battles and stuff throughout history. Like yeah. some of the Spartans, other battles are fascinating yep. too, from a strategy standpoint. Right. And I guess like this is a good pivot point so we can keep it rolling. One of the books I've been reading right now because of jujitsu, because of the general, like I go back to this book a lot when, you know, I've talked about how I feel like the world is just so at, chaos like it's at a level that i i can't even stand right now so um the book of five rings you know musashi um the art of war sun Tzu. those are two books that i will interchange um just for simplicity of of kind of a a, an ethos after the guidelines of peterson you know you lay out a very martial approach to life 
you know, don't be a, you know, I'd rather be a, a warrior in a garden than the gardener in the war, you know, like that kind of mindset to understand that, uh, Musashi is so significantly, uh, for being multifaceted, you know, he's like, what good is the swordsman if he can't write or paint or do poetry, you know? Um, yeah, it, it, it's, and it's just in the same way too. It's like, as just as one man should not master only one weapon, then that weapon is the master of him, you know? And like some of that philosophical stuff and some of that, uh, almost sounds like a, a fortune cookie, but the real, you know, yeah. these were the guys that yeah, were like it is, the real. So those mm-hmm. two would be that some for me, just give me some um, just give me some sense of, OK, just remember this is this what you're feeling, what you're doing in your practice and your training, whatever, what you're doing is working outward and that is going to make everything outward better, too. So yes. those two are, are yeah. probably right up there Solid. with the Petersons. Solid. And you actually maybe maybe unintentionally, maybe intentionally had a line that was a fantastic segue into one of my other things I was wanting to bring up, Mm -hmm. uh, which is getting back. We had an episode a while back talking like kind of prepping and homesteading slash gardening slash survival kind of stuff. Um, and around here anyways, uh, we're, I'm, I'm right in the thick of getting all the garden stuff prepped. Um, so I thought that that could be a good, helpful thing to, to go over. Um, because I've had a couple of, of guests recently that are in that realm of homesteading and stuff. And so one of the questions that I get asked a lot and that I, you know, I've asked a couple of these guys is a lot of people don't have a clue where to start because they think I need to, you know, and, and one of the last guests I had, his name is John Moody, who's actually down in Kentucky. Mm. And, uh, he said, that's the sound guy. No, he's the, he's the homesteader guy on the show like a week or so ago. Um, he's got 35 acres down there in farms and he does conferences with Joel Salatin, Mm. who's another homestead guy. And, uh, but he was talking about people always want to, they'll say, you know, I just need to get out of the city. I need to get my five acres and then I can get all my, my farm and my garden and my animals and all this stuff going. And and they don't have even a semblance of starting any of that where they currently are. Sure. He's like, dude, you you don't have anything now. You're not just going to start all of this when you get five acres, like you need to, begin small and understand, you know, how to grow a pepper plant in a pot on a windowsill, Yeah, you know, before you like try to map out a 2000 square foot garden plot where you're going to grow 40 different types of vegetables or something, you know? And, um, and so that's honestly like that would, that, you know, I got, this is like year six, technically, um, four years in this house. So I've kind of got things set up in a good way, but I'm still always adding stuff to this. Um, just last night actually built a huge, like, uh, like six foot tall arch trellis out of a cattle panel and a couple of T posts Oh, nice! to get some like, uh, zucchinis and cucumbers to climb up yep, that yep. trellis and stuff. So we do. And then the other piece of advice that I, you know, I get asked like, well, what's easiest to grow? And I'm like, it doesn't really matter what's easiest. Just grow what you're going to eat. Yeah. Because that was like the mistake that I made was like the first couple of years, I just wanted to try everything. And it was stuff that I was never going to eat anyways, just because there's things I still don't, you know, I don't like everything. Sure. So I'm like, but you know, I'm going to grow a ton of stuff and be like, well, who's going to eat this? Yeah. And you know, so, um, you know, we've at this point, just to give like a little bit of an overview, I mean, I've got a whole raised bed. That's just, um, different varieties of tomatoes. Cause I do tons of salsa and spaghetti sauce out of them. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not a big like tomato guy, but I'll make sauces and salsas sure. as the day is long. Um, got a herb thing. We're, we're going to do, um, 
bunch of like squashes and like a little bit of a salad box going on with lettuces and that kind of stuff. And then I let, um, Riggs, my, my four-year-old, almost four-year-old is really into it. He loves like walking around and helping water and plant stuff in. So I let him pick out a whole plot that he wanted to, he gets to pick what goes in this like six by eight foot plot yeah. in the back and he picked uh watermelons oh sick and we've n- never done those so he wanted to grow so he's literally he's in charge of it he put the seeds in the little seed starter thing and when we're going out he's gonna have to dig the holes to put them all in and i'll help him but he's that's gonna be his little plot of watermelons in the back but um i think it's helpful just to have this you know we can talk about all of these things that i'm growing and i still don't know far more than i will ever know yeah you know um but the barrier for it is very small, actually. Yeah. Like the barrier to entry with a lot of this stuff. You can literally get like a pot and not even have to go buy a pot. You can get one that's already in a container, like of a single a singular herb. Yeah. And grow it on your kitchen windowsill. Yeah. You know, like just start with learning how things grow and what amounts of water things take and uh, and stuff like that. So, I mean, I wanted to kind of do a little bit of a garden overview because I've got that question a couple of times. We do have a couple of berry bushes along the side of the house and like some other things that have been kind of fun to just try out, but like grow what you're going to eat and like wherever you are, if like you're in an apartment, you can grow something in a, in a box. Yeah. You know, you don't need even a yard. Yeah. So um, a lot of this stuff I think is a lot more accessible than people tend to make it because they see the people, just like with anything, just like with freaking fitness, dude, everybody sees the guys that are snatching 400 pounds, mm-hmm. you know, in Olympic meets. Um, and they're like, well, I can't even do that above my head. Right. Like, well, you're not him. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. You're not him. <laughs> like, just do start with where you are, you know? Yeah. So if you've got anything in like more of the um, home defense or some prep kind of stuff or vehicle kind of things that, you know, maybe we did or didn't touch on or want to reiterate. Um, I kind of wanted to have a couple minutes. For yeah. That. So I'll tell you a couple things that I've done. Um, one learning, I mean, I grew up watching my grandmother pickle and can, um, yeah. you know, and I think just as an extension, if you're going to have a garden, you're going to have to have resources uh, to, to keep these things ahead of when you're growing them. So pickling, canning, um, learning to can meats, one of the finest meals I've ever had is a canned chicken. Um, it sounds kind of odd, but it's just freaking delicious. And I've done, I've had some, I have never heard of canned chicken before. I've had canned, uh, elk. I've had canned bison and those things are, are really just amazing. Like, uh, reconstitute them, get kind of a roast gravy going thing, put them on some rice, put yeah. them on some potatoes, open face sandwich, whatever, just phenomenal. Um, and they're kind of a shredded texture as well. So just yeah. really, really good. I think that is a skill, um, <laughs> not only from a pleasure, like going, even if you just go to the store and buy some vegetables, fooling around with your food in that way and, and kind of having your own hand in making it something more than what it is as it is, I think is always exciting. And one of the simplest things you can do, um, it's one of my favorites, taco night, get some red onion, slice it up pretty thin or what to your liking. And, Literally, you can go to the store and there's a, a jar, and I think it's Heinz. And oops, whoops, hit my mic. It says uh, pickling vinegar, and it's already constituted with the right amount of salt, right amount of vinegar, right about everything. Now, what I'll do is I'll add some peppercorns, I'll add some jalapeno, um, and that goes in. And literally within 48 hours to 72 hours, up to two weeks, you've got these amazing, ever evolving, deeper flavored pickled red onions that's as simple as you can get you can go all the way down to 
canning meat, which I, I would think would be the most delicate of all. So I would, I would tell people to learn that, but from a car standpoint, um, I think everyone, number one should have jumper cables, uh, or like a portable jumper box. Those little things that you can pre-charge, uh, that have a, t- they have a built-in flashlight. There's a company called Halo. I have nothing to do with them. Um, I've actually, I've, I've actually used this multiple times. It's fantastic. It's about the size of a, a cigar box. Um, and it, you can charge your phone, you can start your car, you can have a flashlight on it. It's just very valuable. It's about a hundred bucks. The other thing is a secondary battery, uh, stand. So my truck has a, it had an open space, uh, above the engine. And I had another battery installed that is just a mute, keep the caps on the black and red caps on. So if I ever run out of a battery, um, or like when my alternator went out and drained my battery, I was able to, you know, at least the, not with the alternator situation, but a couple of times when my battery has gone bad, quickly convert to that. And then you just change it and then it's back and forth. You know, you just keep that one on and keep the caps on the other. That's a really good one. Road flares, something that people often overlook, but man, if you watch Instagram and if you know anything about how you use your own phone, people are distracted when they're driving. Uh, there was a police officer somewhere just nearly taken out by a kid driving 120 miles an hour, uh, jumped the median and nearly took him out. So from a standpoint of your visibility and survivability, flares in the back of the truck are awesome. They can come in handy, like especially if you were to go off in a ditch, um, you can shoot a flare up. And I'm sure if there, if you wait for a car, but if you a truck driver sees it, they're going to make mention of it. You know, like they're really good about that stuff because they are always on the lookout for off the road passengers. And I know that my grandfather was the truck driver. So that's just another area that, um, is, is very important to me for myself. Cause I'm always on the road. My truck has 415,000 miles on it. So it's like prone to break down at some point, even as reliable as it's been. Um, another thing I would say is I would have, I always have a Kydex carry, uh, for my pistol, but I would have a separate carry holster for your vehicle. One that is, uh, permanently mounted. And when you get in your vehicle, I mean, I don't know who you are. If you want, if you enjoy riding with an apex carry or a hip carry in your vehicle, I mean, I get if you're just a quick drive, but it's, it's not necessarily always comfortable. Just unhook the Kydex from your belt, slip that pistol into the one in your vehicle. I have one that's uh, right beside my seat. And then I also had one in my old truck that was a forward position near the, uh, near the steering wheel. And it it's, listen, I don't give a fuck who you are, man. This, this, like, I'm a big, scary, intimidating looking guy to most. I don't intimidate a gun. And what happens when somebody is holding a gun is they get fearless. So I, I just always feel like personal protection. That's why I go to jujitsu. It's personal protection without a weapon. I'm trying to be more proficient with a knife, trying to be more proficient with a pistol, trying to be more yep. proficient with a rifle. So that's the other part of the equation. Your training. Do not, just like Greg's post, one of my favorites, the tiger inside. Do not imagine that you are going to see red and automatically know what to do. I can promise you go to one jujitsu class, go to one jujitsu class and let somebody just work on you and you try as hard as you can. I don't care how big you are. One class, a martial action will trump instinct every single time. Somebody that knows what they're doing, how to put their hands on you, how to move your body, how to manipulate their feet uh, to get you off balance. Those things are not instinctive. They are not. I don't care how much you think they are. They are not. One class of BJJ would change every right. 
couch potato talking shit about what somebody should do in a UFC ring forever. Like one class and you'll shut your mouth. So if that's true of the physical body, it is going to be true of extensions of the physical body, whether that's pistol, knife, bare knuckles, or I mean brass knuckles, whatever it is, learn your weapon, practice with your weapon and get those repetitions in so that when it is, you know, it's time for something to go down, you are more prepared for that. And I'm not saying that as a badass. I'm saying that as somebody that truly believes that training is the epitome and should be at some level a requirement of ownership of all these things. So uh, that would be mine for that. Just a couple quick ones. Totally. Solid. Yeah. And that actually leads into kind of the last thing um, because we're going to wrap up here in a couple of minutes. But um, we're both in, you know, we talked about uh, some jujitsu on one of the recent episodes that we're both, you know, kind of really diving back into it. And uh, I have a competition that is 12 weeks from Saturday as the yep. recording. So this coming Saturday, um, July 29th, it's a grappling, it's a grappling industries tournament. Um, I'm undecided if I'm going to do no gi yet. I think I might just because why not? Um, right. but, uh, so I've, I've 12 weeks. And so, uh, you and I were, we're talking about laying out a little bit of a template, mm-hmm. uh, for my training. So, and, and then some other background too. Currently I'm sitting, uh, this morning I was 198.5 mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm going to cut to 185 to compete at 185s. Yep. And, uh, cause I did one competition where I didn't cut and just rolled in with whatever I was that day. And, uh, just cause you know, in my first one, I wasn't trying to do sure. anything like that, but with this one, uh, for a team aspect because we're rolling into this one with like a few dozen people mm-hmm. into this as a team and so trying to you know match we don't want to have five guys at blue belt in my division at the 205 weight class and one guy at 185 or right. no guys at 185 so we're trying to like you know spread stuff out a little bit so we've got a good spot in in every weight class in every division um i am ecstatic that i get to i'm a master now so uh 30 plus yeah. i get to be in the master's division instead of having to roll against all the spry 16 year olds and 17 year olds jeez there's stuff going on here today man it's probably gonna go against all the the 17 and 18 year olds that are like just athletic freaks at you know even even if they're at blue belt you know they're just monsters oh yeah um so I'm going to do 30 plus at blue. I'm going to do 30 plus at blue mm-hmm. and uh, just have fun with it. But I'm, I'm diving back into training. I'm going to be at um, my goal is four uh, jujitsu classes a week. And that includes the one comp class that we have. And then I'm training anywhere from uh, four to six times via either weights or doing I'm going to pepper in a couple of longer distance, get some runs in and do mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But I've got a good little template laid out, but I'm going to do a better job of documenting all of it because, um, again, it's been one of those things where there's been some some questions about how I'm going to prepare for it. But also, I just want to document all of it. So I have the documentation myself. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's so that's, that's the plan is to drop. So I'll, I'll need another. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to be able to get down to like 80 if i can be at 87 or 88 like the beginning of the week of that competition i can water cut a few pounds off to make weight at weigh-in and then be fine after that you know because i think on that one i can actually weigh in the night before so uh it'll be a good setup as far as that's concerned but that's kind of my rough outline for everything so 12 week fight camp essentially is what i'm about to start with 
think I lost you for just a second. I lost you for one second. We're good though. Oh, are we back? Uh, yeah, we're back. Um, oh, okay. So, so from, yeah, that's, that's where I am. If you've got where you are. Yeah. So I'd looked at a couple a couple competitions that are coming up, um, throughout the summer. I haven't full on decided which ones I'm going to choose. I, I'm actually just looking for some things, um, to, to really test myself in, in a different, well, in a couple sp- different, uh, rule sets, you know, I'd like, uh, like an EBI type setup, which has uh, submission start kind of over overtime rounds, as well as uh, I would like to do something with an ADCC rule set with wrestling as a mandatory uh, takedown instead of sitting to guard. So those are cool ideas. Um, there's a Fuji event. There's a, there's a couple other events that are just scattered throughout the summer and around, but I am probably in that honestly, six to 10, 12 weeks. Yeah. Uh, but really I've been kind of conditioning my, myself since January and like having, having a sense of what I've done in the past of doing things as quickly as I can. And that leading to good results, but also crash and burn type results. Um, I, I decided to start in January and go just methodically yeah. slower. So I was two forty three. my typical workout right now. Um, Wolf brigade is the base of my training outside of this very specific period. Um, and that is only because I fall back to a cube type method, um, that I have structured as follows. So I rotate my intensities. If I do anything heavy on, uh, on a body part, the next time I do it will be very fast, mm-hmm. very lightweight. Um, the third week it rotates around to a moderate effort, six to eight reps, five to six sets. Um, and it's just a, it's an intensity rotation that works for me. If my upper body is heavy that day, my lower body is light. If my, you know, if my carry is heavy, my drag is light. If my light, if my carry is light, my hip, my drag is heavy. So I structure my stuff like this. I do an upper body push. I do an upper body pull. I do a lower body push. I do a lower body pull. And then I do carries and I do holds. So I, sometimes that is combined as a farmer's carry or a zercher carry with a sandbag or something like that. But I typically like to work grip specific stuff like, uh, hanging from the bar, getting super heavy dumbbells for time, uh, odd grips with the sandbag to where I'm like gripping the actual bag and not a hoop. Um, just really working the fingers and hands to death. And then, um, you know, from there I do some kind of conditioning effect. So I'm doing that four days a week. I'm doing jujitsu four days a week with five to six classes a week. If I can make doubles, um, learning to slow myself down and not view every role as like life or death has really helped my body rejuvenate, feel really good. Um, I'm down from 243 in January to, I was 219 this morning and, um, feeling really, really good. The goal now is that we've stripped some body fat off. We got the conditioning, uh, the metabolism functioning is to just slowly start layering in some calories to just try to creep my way back up to a really solid 225, 227 um, over the next couple, three months. Um, and that, that may sound extreme, but, you know, I'm on a baseline TRT, nothing fancy here. I'm eating game meat, beef, chicken, uh, rice, vegetables, fruit. And the reason that it's a bit easier for me is I have to train a very specific way or I start growing because of my body's acclimation to being so big for so long. Yeah. Um, that's why I don't do the, the big three compounds as main movers, because if I start squatting, benching and deadlifting, 
my body changes in ways that I don't necessarily want or desire at 41 years old. Um, not that I don't want more muscle, but and quickly you know, too. Yeah, it, it happens really fast for me. Um, one, because I have the resources as far as I have the time, I have the, the drive, I have the money to buy my food, to stay on the TRT and have a great doctor that really gives a shit about me and, and points me in the right direction. Uh, to touch on that briefly, I am doing uh, testosterone cypionate at 200 milligrams a week. I'm doing an astrazole as needed, and then I'm doing HCG uh, as, as just a, a round out to the hormone uh, triumvirate there. But nothing else beyond that other than I'm using first form supplements. I've got a yeah. great relationship with those guys. Uh, and everything else, like I said, is game meat, beef, bison, chicken, fish as alternatives, eggs, as many as I can stand. So, and I love them, but just as many as I can stand. Uh, but that's really, that's really my thing is, yeah. um, just want to keep pushing the rounds for technique and then following those rounds up like two rounds for technique position work. The next round is try to implement in an open role. And, um, I'm really proud of myself. I don't usually say that, but anybody that rolls knows how hard this is. Uh, and for me, it wasn't hard because of conditioning. It was hard because of my pacing. Yeah. Um, I would go so hard in the beginning that I would, I would phase out. And for me to do a 20 minute round with my buddy this morning, um, you know, we weren't going balls out. We weren't trying to kill each other, but it was like respect of each other's position, acknowledge the position, let somebody work to their point, And then, okay, kind of give, give each other a head nod, get a reversal and start working from the reversal, you know? And it, it was just like, it was like, man, I really feel like I'm doing jujitsu now. Like, and, and that's such a strange thing to say this far into it for me. But for so long, it felt like I was literally in a fight. You yeah. know, like I would just go so hard that it was a fight. And now it's like, no, I'm really doing jujitsu now. This is what jujitsu is. So I'm just trying to keep the train rolling, keep doing the things that I'm doing uh, in that structure of, of workout that I talked about. Diet. I just rotate my calories uh, based on need. I do a little more carbs when I train harder. I do a few little less carbs when I don't. Uh, Tyler Minton gave me a great protein suggestion that I don't want to share because it may be uh, private information of his, but it was just adjusting when and how much of the protein I was taking. So um, check him out just as a shout out to him. He, he'll probably post it if he hasn't, but it's probably in there somewhere because he's very thorough and he's worked with fighters. He's worked with everybody yeah. under the sun. So Tyler Minton, I really appreciate you, bud. He's awesome. Sweet. We'll wrap it there for our short hour long. Yeah, I no guess. doubt. <laughs> right on with time wise, like we always are, I guess. Yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> um, that was cool, fun, though. man. We'll we'll get this we'll get this up soon and we'll do another one. Yeah, we'll do more of these like the kind of rapid fire ones. Yeah, fun. All right. Appreciate you, Ross. And thank you guys for the questions uh, the last time again and listening. So appreciate yeah. you all. Yeah.